Welcome to the 5G Techvitory podcast, where we will explore the hottest topics in 5G with some of the industry's leading minds. So, please welcome Patrick Lopez, Global Vice President for Product Management of 5G at NEC Corporation. Uh, Patrick, you can wave, no one can see you, just uh, no problem. Then uh, Alfonso Alvarez, now they can see you. Uh, Deputy Managing Director at Celnex, Alfonso, welcome. Pekka Sundström, CBT Head Local Operators Nordics and Baltics at Nokia. Michael Ferris, Senior Architect, Market Incubation for Colt. Latvia is represented by Evi Staube, Director of the Technology Department at Latvian State Radio and Television Center. And moderator, please welcome Dean Bubbly, founder of Disruptive Analysis. Dean, now it's thank you. all Hi. yours. Fantastic. So, thank you for joining us, and uh, thank you for the Secretary uh, Secretariat for inviting me to moderate this panel. I'm an industry analyst and commentator on the wireless and telecoms industry. Uh, some people may know me by my uh, social media alter ego of Disruptive Dean. I tend to uh, um, have a contrarian view on quite a lot of uh, areas of technology, either in terms of seeing things which are emerging faster than people expect or uh, sometimes uh, slower. And what I'm, I'm interested in today is infrastructure sharing in the 5G era and synergies between different players, either existing players in the market or third parties, um, to uh, improve the cost economics of network deployment and operation and perhaps also bring new capabilities and new coverage uh, to bear as well. Uh, I've been following areas such as neutral host and towers for several years, and that fits into a broader uh, theme around infrastructure that's uh, um, yeah, occurring with a huge amount of investment that's going in and people looking to optimize that. I'd say at the moment, I see three main trajectories for infrastructure sharing, um, especially in Europe, but also in the Americas and Asia. The first thing I see is the traditional tower companies, uh, independent tower companies moving up the value chain, um, offering additional capabilities, whether it's fiber connectivity, small cells as a service, you know, looking at open RAN and various other, um, if you like, infrastructure codes rather than uh, just tower codes. And that's been aided by uh, a lot more funding and also spin-outs and sell-offs by the mobile operators. So that's the first one, is tower codes. The second one is an evolution of existing infrastructure sharing models between mobile operators. There's been quite a lot of um, RAN sharing in particular uh, in various parts of Europe over the last 10 years. Um, different models, Mora and Mocken, the, the technology uh, aware among us the two different technology approaches to um, particularly 4G infrastructure sharing in the past. And that's continuing in a 5G era. And then I'm also seeing um, an increasing set of new wholesale-based entrants who are looking to offer, um, if you like, network as a service or RAN as a service or backhaul as a service to multiple service provider or mobile operator tenants. And some of those are coming with existing fiber assets. Some have got spectrum. Uh, some have got indoor coverage footprints. Uh, and some are coming from a, perhaps a government and utility background where they've got access to street side assets uh, or rights of way. 
And this is leading to a massive explosion in sharing models. I've got something like 10 or 12 different um, definitions of neutral host, which I've had suggested to me uh, over the last year or so. So hopefully we can we can um, look into that and what the regulatory side of it is, also variations between national markets uh, and how that applies to different types of, of 5G business case. So we had an introduction to the panel um, already. Um, what I'd like now to do is to go uh, one by one across the panel to uh, ask them to introduce themselves more formally, their companies, and their top-level perspective on infrastructure sharing and what aspects they're most interested in. And I'm going to start off with uh, Patrick Lopez from uh, NEC. Patrick, over to you. Thank you, Dean. Um, hello, everyone. Um, I'm Patrick Lopez. I'm based out of Toronto in Canada, and uh, I look after product management for uh, the 5G products of uh, NEC. Uh, for those of you who might not be familiar with NEC, NEC is a large uh, Japanese conglomerate uh, that uh, has been around for over 120 years um, and is very active uh, in a number of uh, verticals uh, such as transport, healthcare, um, um, telecommunications. And within telecommunications, there are a number of things that NEC does. Basically, anything between transport and uh, submarine cables all the way to satellite and in between uh, 5G. Uh, and from that perspective, uh, NEC's 5G uh, strategy has always been to uh, promote and support open and disaggregated network. Uh, and uh, the company has started originally with uh, SDN controllers. Uh, there was the first company to commercialize uh, open flow-based SDN controller. More recently, the company uh, has um, been uh, known uh, for its open RAN offering, as well as professional services and system integration, as well as its core 5G SA core offering. Um, NEC offers end-to-end -end, uh, 5G services and products, uh, but in an open and disaggregated manner, which means that um, we are working with the ecosystem and we're providing solutions in each of the categories and each of the layers of 5G. Um, and from that perspective, uh, NEC has deployed in a commercial macro environment, but also in private networks and also in neutral uh, host environment, uh, most notably, notably with the Neutral RAN initiative in the UK. So from that perspective, uh, we are interested in uh, exploring and demonstrating how open and disaggregated network help uh, the uh, implementation uh, and rollout of neutral uh, networks, or rather habilitating uh, neutral hosts uh, to deploy networks and operate them uh, on behalf of tenants. Uh, and from that perspective, that's uh, really our, um, our focus here, uh, how to create uh, networks uh, that can be multi-tenant by using open and disaggregated networks that are cloud-native. Patrick, thanks for that. Actually, I've got a quick question on the Neutro RAN because it's something that I haven't seen a lot of detail on. What's the if you like the layer of neutrality there? Does each tenant operator bring their own CU and DU virtualized, or what's the what's the the the, the partition? There are actually multiple uh, uh, models, uh, so there are options uh, for uh, operator own. Uh, infrastructure, virtual infrastructure within the physical infrastructure, and there are options for virtual infrastructure uh, that is actually shared by the tenants themselves. Uh, so 
obviously that's where being cloud native and multi-tenant helps uh, if you have the capability to partition um, the physical infrastructure and the logical infrastructure and you are able to logically uh, assign resource uh, of the same infrastructure to different tenants with isolation and security, well, then you have a lot of options in terms of how you want to deploy that. Great. Thank you. Thanks very much, Patrick. We'll come back to uh, drill into some of those issues um, uh, when we open up the panel to full discussion. Um, I'd like to ask now our second speaker to give a, an opening set of comments, um, uh, Alfonso Alvarez from uh, Cellnex. Alfonso, go ahead. Hello, Dean. Hello, everyone. Thanks for the opportunity. I am speaking to you from our offices in Reading, Berkshire, UK. And uh, I think, Dean, the question about sharing infrastructure for telecom deployments is uh, now so much of our reality that, uh, that um, maybe the question is, what's the limit of the sharing or what's the trend in the market? I mean, uh, we are a tower co. Uh, for those uh, not being familiar with Celnex Telecom, we are a company starting from the Spanish market, uh, a long history there, but as Celnex Telecom IPO'd in 2015, we were only Spanish in 2014, and we are now in up to 12 European countries, okay? Uh, you can imagine, mostly providing services to the mobile operators, mostly towers and rooftops, but also small cells, locations in general for their deployments, but also active equipment in, in some extent. We will have the opportunity to, to comment about it. I think that the simple fact of considering that the mobile operators are creating their own tower costs, Vantage Towers, Totem, have some, some examples in Europe, uh, makes clear that this is a trend they all uh, support as well. I mean, it's, uh, it's something that the market has given for granted. It's uh, based on pure financials, very elemental mathematics. The, the, the need they have, the operators, to get money for their every time shortening investment cycles, 3G, 4G, 5G, doing more things, uh, the amortization of the previous generation not yet uh, got and having to invest on fiber, the very fierce competition they have in the market and also the influence of the regulators because uh, there's a lot of noise this week on, on all newspapers and, and uh, digital media about should uh, European authorities and the national authorities uh, authorize merger of operators? I mean, it's obvious that they are suffering a lot. Uh, the financial model is very complicated, non-loyal customers, uh, shorting investment cycles, lots of needed capex. So uh, monetizing the infrastructure was a doubt for them five years ago. Now yep. it's a reality. It exists and uh, it's helping them. They, they accept it. In fact, they are creating their own tower costs. We could have a conversation about a tower co-owned by MNO or an independent tower co. Is that the same? This is another discussion, okay? But we, we may come back to that in a, in a, in a few minutes. So but. shared infrastructure exists and there's an obvious value. And for me, the value is the operators can get more things with the same money because the shared investment models for the infrastructure, for the passive infrastructure, uh, allows them to have better costs and they can deploy more things. What we see is 
a trend towards a more active sharing. This is, for example, what we have uh, closed in our recent deal in Poland with Polcomtel. We have acquired from them not only the assets, the, the, the towers and the, and the masts, we have also acquired the active equipment. We are emitting the carriers with our equipment now and all the radio, sorry, the um, access network to fiber and radio links to their core, okay? What's your view about that? We want to believe that what we call the augmented tower core will be a reality. So the operators will be also open to a shared model, potentially involving also the active equipment, okay? And that would create additional value because they could do, again, more things with the same budgets. Now, we can have a discussion about, okay, what's the interest of a vendor, what the, the interest of an operator, etc. But I think it's a trend which is now uh, in the market and uh, the future will be about more sharing. Yeah, uh, right. Let's let's hold the rest of that discussion until we've got the full panel. But thank you very much for that, uh, Alfonso. Um, I'd now like to move to our, our third uh, panelist, and um, uh, Pekka Sundstrom uh, from Nokia. Thank you very much for standing in for your your colleague at the last moment. I, I hope he I hope he recovers quickly. But thank you for joining us. And any thoughts you have on infrastructure sharing from Nokia's perspective, I, I would be interested to hear. Thank you, Dean. And I think to start with. Uh, yes, I'm aware it is a little bit dark. So I'm in our SPO office and we have automatic lights. So I could potentially, by jumping around, make it lighter. Uh, but let's just say I'm not going to entertain you with that, at least not for now. But thank you so much for the opportunity. Happy to fill in for Peter. Um, so we in Nokia, we have had a long history and we have plenty of these joint ventures, neutral hosts as our customers. And it is an interesting topic, for sure. And my own background is that I've been, you actually have my old title, which is the Nordics and Baltics. That's fine. I haven't updated my LinkedIn. Uh, so I've been around the Nordics and Baltic region for a long time. And as we all know, we have a number of these joint ventures and different kinds of operations uh, in the Nordics and in the Baltics. Um, but I think going back to this neutral host, I think there's um, some of them are already mentioned, but I think there's kind of a, I would say, confluence of factors at the moment uh, leading to the interest in the neutral hosts and, and the infrastructure sharing in general. And the first one is simply 5G and the CapEx investment required for it. It's not only the run, but it's the spectrum. It's the fiber, it's the edge cloud. So all of those things where the operators need to invest. And then the trajectory where um, very few of the operators see that there's going to be a huge revenue boost uh, to compensate that investment. So naturally, that's driving to look into sharing opportunities, potential neutral host opportunities, so something to compensate the CapEx investment. And then, as, as, as it was already mentioned, there has been now the, I don't know whether I can call it a trend, uh, but it's tendency for the CSPs to look into spin-offs. So have the service company and the infra infrastructure company separated. And it could be, you know, debt valuation, company valuation type of, um, reasons behind it, but I think the clear value of separating the infrastructure as its own company 
that is out there. Uh, then, I, would, I would agree, but are you, are you seeing in those situations the operator is now happy to use both its own spin-out tower company and other tower companies as well? Or is it just a sort of, you know, corporate engineering where they, they sort of, it's still a one-to-one -one relationship? I think in most of the cases that I've seen, it's, it's been that the anchor tenant for the infrastructure company is actually the service company. It's a longer term business case to look into because everyone, of course, everyone here knows that when you're a tower company or, you know, neutral host, if you have one tenant, uh, that's not really your business case. So, of course, there's, but I would say on the radio, it's a little bit more complicated to most of them or some of them. But then, for instance, the fiber infrastructure, that's an easier one. So that's... <laughs> relatively easy compared to the mobile side uh, to have as a shared. Thank you. Thank, thank you very much. We'll, we'll come back to, I think, to, to where the, the easiest and the most valuable layer to share is. I'd like to come now to our next uh, panelist, uh, Michael Ferris uh, from Colt. Um, Colt's always an interesting participant in this because you are coming from the fibre side historically rather than mobile, but I know that you've got some interesting views on, on neutral host as well. Yeah, uh, thanks, Dean. Um, I'm Mike Ferris. I work in market incubation at Colt. Uh, I've been with Colt for just over two years now. Um, Colt, as a company, is a global enterprise and wholesale connectivity specialist present in 32 markets. We're specifically not a mobile operator, but we do support mobile operators um, with some of our connectivity products. I've been in the market for over 25 years now in mobile mainly working in operators, and uh, one period I worked at EE so in the UK some time ago, I was very much um, in, the, in the mix with uh, what was, in fact, the world's first network share, where the creation of MBNL in the UK, uh, the first time that active network sharing had, uh, had taken place. Uh, so I saw firsthand what it was like to be one of the partners um, trying to work with a competitor in a, in a collaborative way, uh, which is very interesting. Um, I also worked for a mobile backhaul equipment provider for a while, and I was a project manager at BT looking at uh, managed backhaul products, selling back into MBNL as, as a shared backhaul product. Um, now I work at Colt. I, um, provide, we provide services to mobile operators, so... Colt is looking at new opportunities to enable operators to roll out 5G faster. We're also looking at neutral hosts specifically. And um, I've studied quite intently the UK JOTS initiative, which I'm sure we're going to end up talking about at some point, which is, uh, which is a, an operator-led framework uh, to allow neutral hosts to build indoor uh, coverage solutions in the UK. And it's being watched... Um, with interest from, from other markets as well. Uh, I wear a second hat in this forum because I'm also um, the co-leader of the Neutral Host Workstream at the Small Cell Forum, uh, where, of course, we've studied neutral hosting and sharing um, quite a lot. We've issued a couple of documents already, one on options for indoor cellular. Of course, neutral host is quite prominent as one of, as one of those options, but it's positioned against other, other ways in which indoor coverage can be provided, and it depends on what the building stakeholders are, are looking for, what they're hoping to gain, and what their particular circumstances are. Um, 
we've issued a neutral host architectures document earlier this year, and we're currently working on um, an HRD for our hosted open RAN concept, which is really taking the UK JOTS architecture and generalizing it for, for the global market. In terms of opportunities for neutral hosting, I think there are three areas of interest. Uh, I've, I've said this for the last two years, and it's becoming more and more obvious that these are the three. Uh, first, indoor, of course, we're seeing uh, initiatives started already now. Uh, and the reason why indoor is the first to go, I think, is because it's least risk for operators. If you're going to outsource part of your network control or you're going, you're going to get make someone else do the work for you and build a RAN that has got to interact with your network, then actually indoor uh, gives a much more controlled way of, of um, interfacing into the outdoor macro network. It's a lot less risky. Um, and of course, it's a big area where it's a big problem trying to get coverage indoors. There are many buildings with, with, with issues. And then the second one is, of course, outdoor rural, where it's all about cost efficiency and neutral housing can potentially help to bring down the cost to deploy for multiple operators in rural lot spots. And the third one is outdoor urban densification. This is all about speed and volume as well as cost efficiency. Um, network sharing, of course, started in 2008 with MBNL. It was about site assets, it was about active RAN equipment sharing, and it was about transport. Those three things are still relevant today. So just this year, we're starting to see the first tenders coming out for small sales as a service. And again, it's bringing site assets, managing, active, uh, managing and deploying active RAN equipment and providing transport. So the players who are coming into the fray now are not just tower companies, existing DAS operators and systems integrators who are used to dealing with active van equipment management and connectivity providers like Colt. And it's bringing those three aspects together. That's, that's broadening the market, but also meaning that potentially partnerships are going to play a key role in solving these um, new infrastructure sharing problems. Michael, thank you very much. And uh, there's, there's a lot to pick up there. We could do a whole day on this, I think. But uh, let's uh, crack on with the initial statements, and then we'll come back with some uh, some group questions. Final speaker uh, on, the, on the panel is uh, Avis Taub um, from the Latvian uh, State Radio and TV uh, Centre. Uh, Avis, uh, go ahead. Um, thank you, Dean. Uh, yeah, hello. Um, uh, my name is Avis Taub, um, Technology Director, Latvian State Radio Television Centre. And um, I should start from that, that uh, the name is a bit misleading, but uh, this is this is our big heritage, so radio television. And uh, uh, Patrick, you said um, the neck is 120 years, right? Um, so Latvian State Radio Television Center will be celebrating 100 years soon. So we are a bit younger, um, but uh, that's 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 a big history. But um, uh, why, am, why, why we are uh, here today um, among the operators? Um, so um, um, I should add that we have a huge mix of different customers. So we have Latvian state, obviously. We have Latvian citizens, and we have a big number of, of commercial customers. And a big part of commercial customers are operators. And I would say um, I have experience that uh, the operators are the highest demanding customers with the highest SLAs. And we are really, as a company, we are working really hard to satisfy them um, um, so far, um, which is existing already. So we are 
um, um, we are running the um, extensive uh, fiber optics network at, across the country, very well connected to the rest of the world, um, to the west and to the east and uh, all, all the directions. Um, um, that is pretty redundant, but we are um, not stopping there. So we're building uh, it um, even more stable. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> another part um, which is shared is um, 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 our data centers. So we have quite a few um, geographically redundant tier three data centers. Uh, the newest one is uh, 100 plus uh, um, rack um, availability. So we're welcoming new customers, also operators. Um, all, all that part is very well connected. Um, and, uh, and also I should add that um, um, in our main, main, main site, we have pretty much every operator connected. So which is 40 plus uh, local and international. Uh, one interesting project I should mention we are starting uh, preparing to work on is a um, so-called Via Baltica uh, 5G uh, infrastructure, which will be the um, uh, main road which uh, goes from uh, Tallinn down to Vilnius, crossing the Baltics. Uh, and um, we are uh, building, uh, this, we call it passive infrastructure um, 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 across the road. Um, which will be the uh, like backbone for um, future 5G uh, um, operators. So we are um, building everything for them, including the fiber optics, that's uh, some towers and all, all the all the supporting infrastructure, and um, that's a very interesting project, a big one. Uh, mm -hmm. Another one, what what I should mention, which is a bit more from even some science fiction uh, side, is uh, related to data transmission. Um, uh, security so we um, um, we have run uh, this uh, summer um, some um, um, very interesting uh, test test case uh, called uh, quantum key distribution mm -hmm. on our our fiber networks together with university and we are going to uh, use um, eu co-founded project uh, to do some um, quantum uh, key distribution secured uh, uh, backbone let's say but uh, that part is pretty fantastic. Let's see how we, how we can get there. Yeah, there's some interesting stuff that's going on around quantum key distribution. I know South Korea and uh, UK, other experiments, but I suspect we're not going to have time to talk through that. Interesting I, that I it is today. You, I can tell you it but, works. It works. Uh, definitely. Um, so uh, to me, I, I think you feel like the uncontroversial or fairly uncontroversial parts of infrastructure sharing around the passive infrastructure like towers, although there's a lot of dynamism there and on the, um, the fiber transmission. I'm going to sort of focus a little bit more on the active side because that's perhaps where there's less that's understood and there's different options of whether it's the open RAN model, whether it's multi-operator small cells, um, shared spectrum owned by um, uh, a neutral host. Do any of the panelists have any views of sort of the direction of travel for, for those sort of slightly more advanced forms of, of sharing? Yeah, what's happening today and what can we expect next? I say Alfonso here. Um, I, I think that um, the rank sharing formula, for example, is something that the operators have been using for years. So this is not. Yeah. Uh, a neutral host can help with that, can help as well, because um, when the active equipment owned by an operator or two operators are installed on uh, on the assets owned by a neutral host, and being in theory the neutral host's business to uh, supply a service and, and to apply fees for the occupation of the space, 
uh, in theory, the neutral host should be against any kind of run sharing. This is not happening because we are collaborating with our customers, of course, at uh, at the right conditions and, and having fair agreements with the, with them. Uh, small cells is also a very good point, Dean, because uh, there's no technology yet about, um, I mean, multi-band, multi-operator small cell is not existing yet. This is something we, we should look at um, in, in the market because neutral hosts, it's also our case, have contracts with uh, municipalities, authorities, even private uh, assets owned by companies, by, by let's say, uh, signs uh, outside uh, coffee shops or whatever, and those assets could be very useful for the mm -hmm. operators to densify coverage. Problem, in a street asset, in a street lamp, you cannot install one small cell for every okay. operator. Okay, so yeah. that could be a very good uh, uh, and interesting deployment uh, by the vendors. Last, uh, microsites. Uh, clearly, our view is that the sharing will be increased in the coming years, and the operators will start to accept formulas that in the past were not considered. Maybe until the antenna, but only passive. I okay. think that this will be more and more accepted. Hmm? I'm going to ask Patrick. Um, I mean, from NEC's point of view, you know, what do you see on, on the the shared elements of, of the RAN? Do you, are you thinking on the small cells? Is it the RU in an open RAN scenario? Where, where do you see that going? We see several scenarios, right? I mean, uh, and I think that we see that uh, with more RAN and more con, uh, implementations in the field, uh, even implementation earlier than 5G, right? Uh, there are countries that have deployments that are live at scale. Um, the high level might be a little too simplistic or naive here, but I I don't feel that the neutral uh, host debate is really technology driven uh, in the sense that there are complexities, obviously, in sharing elements of networks. There's miniaturization aspects, there's separation. But today, with separation of control plane and user plane, separation of hardware and software, uh, and virtualization, there are ways to meet those requirements uh, technologically. I think the where we need to make uh, the most progress collectively as an industry is more on the regulatory side, and on mm. the commercial side. Uh, what is a business model uh, that is um, providing value to the customers when it comes to a neutral host? Um, what are operators uh, ready to contribute in a neutral host model? What is the role of the regulator uh, when it comes to Rolling up, rolling out a new generation of uh, networks and trying to find mm. maybe not the maximal uh, coverage, but the optimal coverage uh, or the optimal investment looking at all the players that are in the market space. So, so, so I mean, I, this I'll throw open, Patrick, not, not just to you, but to everyone. From a regulatory point of view, what's holding back the sharing and neutral host? Is it the existing spectrum license commitments? Is it competition regulation that's um, seen as perhaps impacting 
you know, sharing models rather than separate infrastructure? Is it cybersecurity where there's a neutral host in the middle? You know, wh wh where is where is the regulation acting as friction? Would you say? Open to anyone who wants to jump in on that. I'm not sure it's regulation that's that's the problem, but um, operators tend to uh, look to differentiate themselves based on their spectrum holdings. You know, we've seen for you know, two decades now um, high-profile spectrum auctions pulling in massive uh, funds for the treasury, uh, and you know, that model's not changing. So. If you're going to, you know, if you're going, to, if you're going to spend a lot of money on spectrum assets as an operator, then you need to use those to differentiate your service against your competitors. And when it comes to sharing, sharing a carrier or sharing spectrum, it then goes against that. Um, so it's a, it's a difficult thing for operators to get, I think, to get their heads around. You know, where would it make sense to 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 set aside that differentiation for the sake of um, deploying a solution because what we've ended up with um, you know, in the UK as an, ex as an example is the, the, the JOTS framework that the operators defined is a dedicated spectrum solution which is what they've always deployed uh, and that's because there's no agreement to share spectrum in the UK but mm -hmm. that, is, that is the end of a long story of differentiating by spectrum assets and it's also an argument that the operators have used against the regulator when they've looked to force new models into solving the rural not spot problem. Mm -hmm. so, you know, we don't want to do natural roaming. You know, we want to you know, we've bought these spectrum assets. We want to differentiate on these spectrum assets. We don't want to leave it open to our competitors. So they can't very well say, oh, yeah, but indoors, it's okay. We'll share spectrum. Because, I mean, that's interesting because in the U.S., you know, there's a there's the CBRS model. There is a neutral host where the CBRS owner is a full, essentially a full mobile operator, either with roaming or with core interconnects. Um, now, it's possible there that the US operators are more used to national roaming because they all have, yeah, none of the national operators are truly national anyway. So it could be that philosophically that they're more attuned to this idea of national roaming because it seems to me in Europe no one's really doing this sort of shared spectrum approach apart maybe the millimeter wave in Italy with what they call it club spectrum approach I think if we look at it historically you know uh, Europe had uh, a coherent uh, technology uh, background with GSM uh, whereas the US uh, well North America had GSM TDMA CDMA coexisting um, and then when uh, basically 4G came along uh, or HSPA came along, we started to see capacity um, uh, at the technological level uh, to interact between uh, different networks and to offer a national service um, by, uh, let's say, local or regional uh, networks. And that has forced uh, really that model of basically roaming uh, and yeah. I mean the, you, there has been consolidation in the meantime but you had lots of players and you were you needed to roam uh, because nobody had enough capital to cover all the population 
Um, in Canada, we've seen something similar uh, with the uh, uh, implementation where you have uh, network operators that have their own uh, radio assets uh, per region. And in some cases, uh, they're ch sharing uh, those assets uh, to have national to achieve national coverage. Um, so they, there is a shared ra radio network, uh, and each of them has their core network. In Europe, it hasn't been necessary, uh, and I think you know that's where I, I diverge a little bit on the role of uh, the uh, regulator. Uh, I mean, historically, if we look at broadband, maybe not mobile, but fiber access, for instance, and dark fiber, main operators haven't shared until and unless they were forced to. Um, and providing access to others that do not are not incumbent or a new uh, new starter has been a necessity. Uh, when it comes to neutral hosts, that's maybe something that we need to look at as an industry. I don't know. That makes sense. Um, Pekka, from from thank thank you, Patrick. Pekka, from from Nokia's point of view, you know, what what are you seeing? Are you seeing? Um, new service providers come to you that, that want to be neutral providers either with spectrum or you know to to have shared multi-operator multi-tenancy um brands yeah, and also i guess from, from nokia's point of view presumably you'd prefer to sell to every, a separate network to everyone rather than one shared one is there is there a sort of misaligned incentives there no i think i think the regulatory question is something where you know different regulators see it quite differently and some of them can be I would say boosting the, the development of the 5G as well and the private networks for instance in my home country in Finland uh, there is spectrum available for the enterprises yeah so and that's that's something where the barrier of having the private networks is far lower uh, because then you can have your own for your criticality you can totally. So, I mean, so totally I, on, on private networks, yeah, absolutely, I see that. But are they allowed to run public services on the same network as the private services, or is there a sort of a regulatory line which makes that difficult? Well, I think Finland, Finland actually has the public safety LTE network running on a commercial network, mm. as you know, as a MVNO. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think it is possible because you know. We have a lot of capacity in Finland, and then I don't think we're going to grow multi-millions. Uh, so we're only going to be, you know, five and a half million people. So there is a lot of capacity available, even though we are using a lot of data. Uh, so that is possible. And then, mm -hmm. you know, going to the private networks, then there's options. So you can have it as a service from the operator's network, but then there's a lot of players uh, who need it for their critical purposes. It could be mining or it could be power plants who need the security and they need the reliability. And I think that's something going forward where, you know, in order for you to have your low latency services and yeah. agreeing but, on... You know, uh, Pekka, I, was, I think private networks is, is very different though. And I agree, that's a big opportunity. But here I'm thinking about the multi-tenancy networks, the shared infrastructure rather than private, but mining or rail mm -hmm. and i think that the, the, I, I, if anything at the moment i see private networks really accelerating but neutral or multi-tenant is, is there seems to be more friction um 
perhaps because of the contractual difficulties? It's always slightly more difficult. I think one of the things which is a catalyst for these neutral host networks in Europe is the EU recovery funds. Mm. So if you look at individual countries and, you know, 5G corridors, rural connectivity, those are typically the areas where for a regular operator, there is no business sense. Mm. Like up, up north in Finland, build a network, fantastic 5G network for reindeers. It doesn't make business sense. Yeah. So, but, but of course, for public service, you need to have it. And in order to have the digitalization ambitions that Europe has and individual countries have. So I think that's spinning off a lot of neutral hosts. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And, and, and I think at the moment, a lot of the operators work on the basis of population coverage, and a lot of the regulation is population coverage. I think until the population is defined as, well, it's not just people, it's cars, cows or reindeer and robots as well. I think that that might be where I frame. Uh, Avis, I want to bring you in as well. I mean, you, you talked about the Via Baltica, and also I know there's Rail Baltica, um, you know, it's like a corridor. Your fiber side for, for multi-tenancy seems like the, the easy one. Have you also looked at the possibility to do, you know, I don't know, millimeter wave 5G as a wholesale service along the same, you know, or is it just you, you want to do the, the passive and fixed infrastructure side? Yeah, we are, um, we want to be like um, um, very no, no, neutral, neutral in, huh. in this project. Um, so we are running the very stable fixed um, infrastructure. But uh, what we what we plan to do on top of this uh, um, 5G thing is also to include the road um, 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 mobility services and uh, and the and and the advanced advanced um, um, traffic control systems, uh, which can be also um, uh, at, at the same time using the 5G capabilities and also at the same time being connected, uh, let's say, to the fiber itself. So these mobility things are very like uh, dual as well, mm -hmm. um, and 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 we basically are building and co-using the same infrastructure for 5G operators as well as for the road itself, and um, it can be it can be even bigger things than, than only 5G. But uh, what I want also to add for this uh, sharing is um, that um, for sure uh, most of operators are very happy to use the, the, the dark fiber. But but in our current setup, um, we have like um, uh, big uh, several several uh, rings of um, uh, fiber across the country, and um, we are um, we are using heavily the uh, VDM systems. So uh, using the same fiber, uh, slicing it um, and sharing it between the operators and other users. So the capacity is even bigger than only a few fibers. So that's mm -hmm. the, that's another example, I think. Uh, that's, that's interesting, and the mention of, the, of the, the roadway and highway agency services, as well as the, the public safety, um, what the issues that uh, Pekka mentioned. There was a question which actually came in from the audience, which was talking about the, the virtual operator segments that could exploit shared 5G infrastructure. And so I'm curious, I mean, we're thinking here is the tenants are the normal MNOs. You know, for, for shared infrastructure. But it sounds like there's also some other possible tenants. So public safety agencies may be going from, let's say, from an MVNO model to a, whether it's a slice or a tenancy model, um, maybe the highway agency. Are there any other classes of, of new 
virtual operator or service provider, we'll see MVNOs start to use um, you know, shared radio uh, assets in some cases for hotspots or what, what else are people saying? Well, I, I can start by one of the things that we haven't really discussed on, on 5G is the edge cloud, which mm -hmm. is by nature something, if you look at the big promise of these new 5G services on AR, VR, XR, I think edge cloud will play a, a significant role in that one. And by nature, it's, it's something where you will have multiple tenants and different kinds of players. So as a kind of a platform for innovation, I think that is, that is really good. I, I would agree. I mean, cloud, to some extent, is, is multi-tenant, or well, public cloud is multi-tenant by definition. But, uh, Alfonso, any, any thoughts on that? I'd seen, Dean, that, I mean, uh, again, looking for the economics of all these new mechanisms of market adaptation, I mean, uh, the agreements, the physical operators, the MNOs, uh, reach to, uh, with uh, the virtual operators are something providing them additional revenues so it's a revenue stream for them yeah. it's very important for the neutral hosts to be very respectful of what's the service you are providing to your customer and what's the customer what's your customer providing to its end customers there are some areas of overlap like for example private networks that could be offered by an mno or by a neutral host okay but this is probably not impacting so much the core of the PNL of the operators because you are, I mean, maybe generating coverage in a very restricted area for a particular purpose and very limited. In my view, in our view, the agreements between virtual operators and physical operators is something that the neutral host should be very respectful and uh, considering what the physical operators are signing under contracts uh, with you. This is the only way for you to be making steps towards a more active sharing in the future. They need mm. to adapt to the new scenario you are proposing. Uh, neutral host providing a spectrum, maybe in the future this will come. And I agree with my colleagues, this should start from rural coverage, transportation areas where someone providing the solution, even the, the spectrum, can make sense. But Great. the operators need to adapt to this slowly. <laughs> okay. Um, thank you very much. It looks like we're pretty much out of time. So if anyone's got any last sort of five-second comments, go ahead. But otherwise, I'll, I'll wrap up here. Well, what I can say is that Nokia is actually 156 years old. So I think we won. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Patrick. Uh, just one last one. I think... Uh, I'm thinking of hyperscalers uh, that might be listening to this uh, uh, discussion and scratching their heads um, and wondering what's the big hoopla is about. Uh, I think, you know, our network, as network evolve more and more towards a cloud topology and capability, um, it is likely to become the norm. And, yeah. and those that do not recognize those needs are going to be left behind, probably. I would tend to agree. We're out of time. Um, I'd like to thank all of you very much. Um, I'm, I think we could have gone for gone on for at least another hour quite easily, uh, and I hope to uh, meet all of you uh, in real life uh, fairly soon. Thanks to you once again, and thank you to uh, 5G Techology for setting this up. And I'll hand back to the host. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Disruptive Dean, for very, very dynamic discussion.
Yes, we are back into the studio. We will have one more very interesting head-scratching on 